Hello, CodyCast listeners. Welcome back. Now, for today's episode, we have a very special guest and one that I have just met for the first time in real life because we actually initially connected during ISO. So it was only virtually, but he's sitting right in front of me, which is very exciting. So he is the head of marketing and brand strategy at ANZ. So one of the biggest banks in Australia. So welcome to the show, Shetel Unyam. Perfect. Close. Well, very well done. AKA Steve. Excellent. <laughs> that, was, that was perfect. <laughs> You've got to tell people, I, I was actually just off camera, we were just laughing about this. So how did you get the nickname Steve? Please tell our audience. Well, I gave up trying to get a coffee being called um, using the name Sietil. So I, I had to pronounce and spell my name so many times. So it just wasn't worthwhile. So I kind of, I want my coffee today, not tomorrow. So Steve seemed, seemed like a good option. Fantastic. Well, I'm going to do my best to pronounce your name correctly because I don't want to call you Steve or Shaq as it's a story for another day. Uh, but thank you so much for making the time to have a chat today. You've had a very interesting career history. So prior to ANZ, you were at Mondelez. So the, the owners of Cadbury, are you sick of chocolate? Never. Yeah. <laughs> Good answer. Good answer. Uh, so you've obviously gone from uh, FMCG to financial services. So what was that leap like? And why did you actually decide to make that move? Well, I was actually working out of uh, Zurich in Switzerland for oh, a month at least doing selling, well, selling and marketing chocolate uh, in Europe. And... Uh, my wife and daughter were supposed to join me, but my daughter had a change of heart and said, Daddy, I want to stay in Melbourne. Oh. And so I was stuck in Zurich. There, my wife said, well, my, my daughter's going to stay in Melbourne. I'm going to stay. And guess what? Then the dog stays. <laughs> and maybe, you know, the dog was the driving, driving reason for actually going back more than the family. But, you know, I just found, you know, I commuted for a year and a half. Every three months, I've, once I went back and it just didn't work. So I said, well, I want to go back. And I'd at the time, I've been working for, with chocolate for 10 years across 25 different markets. And I thought, you know, I just want to do something different. Something really, really different. Something I don't know nothing about. So if somebody's stupid enough to hire me into something I don't know anything about, then, you know, that be it. And luckily, actually, instead, I was looking for kind of something different. Not a traditional kind of bank marketer, but somebody who had a much more stronger commercial marketing background, which you, in FMCG, you know, market to own the P&L. Mm. Uh, so I was kind of trying to come in and actually drive an agenda of actually come on, make marketing more accountable in terms of actually the business outcomes. Oh, that's fantastic. So I remember when we first had a chat, I was quite amazed that a bank like ANZ, which, look, to be honest with you, I perceive them to be stuffy, boring, like, you know, t traditional banking, would want to go for someone with such a diverse background. So I think good on them. And it actually says a lot about the way they want to communicate with their customers. And I, I, and I look, I love the ANZ banking uh, marketing. I'm not going to lie. Like, you know, my team probably sick of hearing me talk about Shane Elliott on LinkedIn. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think that what you're doing and what your plans and what you have um, planned is going to be super exciting. So hopefully we can touch a little bit on that today. Um, before we, we leave the topic of chocolate, I just wanted to know the most interesting thing you learnt about chocolate. Because I imagine working 10 years, there are probably some unpredictable things. God. <laughs> Threw me off there a little bit. Actually, I, I really got into the production side of, ah, of it. Found that really, yes. really interesting in terms of actually how do you make, call it, you know, the 
perfect chocolate in terms of not just taste but also texture. Ah. And uh, how they stud- how they studied how chocolate melts on your uh, tongue, I just found strikingly fascinating because that's not something you naturally just learn or pick up. So I found the science of chocolate actually probably as interesting as the marketing of chocolate. Oh, that's ve- that's actually very interesting. Look, we could do a whole separate topic uh, podcast about chocolate, but we should probably move into what you're doing now. So you're obviously working at ANZ and you started in January 2020. So literally just before the shit hit the fan and everything went into lockdown in Melbourne. So um, how did you find that? Because a lot of obviously um, when you start a new job, you want to be around your team, you want to be hearing the buzz of the organisation, feeling the energy, but all of a sudden you're you're three months in and then you're sitting at home with your wife and your dog and no one else around. Mm-hmm. I think you know, it, at the time it's a bit of a, I wouldn't say panic, more like a shock. Uh, but in retrospect, I actually come to actually think it was a benefit because it was kind of like I didn't know what I didn't know at the time so what I could do I could really focus on the issue at hand which was the pandemic that hit so I didn't have any distractions Mm. in terms of you know other things I knew the bank had to do because I didn't know what the bank was doing Mm. anyway so yeah in hindsight it was actually probably a good thing and I to your point I could then hone in in terms of what can we do to help, you know, within um, marketing to actually address, you know, what's uh, the issues of the pandemic, but then also actually engage with my team. So I organized in that first instance when we had one hour within that uh, short little zone, people to come to my, uh, down to where I live, and then I would walk on the beach for one hour with <gasps> them and have one-to-ones on the beach. Oh, I love that. So that was probably a better way to get to know people because everybody just so much more relaxed and myself included. So yeah, I'm looking back at it probably more with a positive uh, attitude than at the time, because at the time it was very different. Oh, that's actually, I love that long walks on the beach way of getting to know people. So that's a new a new meeting format. I think maybe I should try with my team. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of us are still kind of keep on doing it. Oh, I'm like the walking meetings. Yeah, yeah, so next week I'm catching up with somebody and we're going to go for a walk on the beach for an hour. So oh, fantastic. Yeah. So has anything else, because uh, obviously you, were, you had a career beforehand and so coming into uh, corporate, like I imagine there's probably similar routines that you would have adopted or similar habits. Has anything dramatically changed since last year so obviously you've got your walking meetings on the beach which is great anything anything else that you feel like you've taken from last year and you're going to keep doing i think one thing i definitely we talked about that i'm actually going to start doing again is actually to your point being more more in the office and meeting people you didn't meet last year yes that's kind of uh, probably the one thing uh, i think what i'm going to try to do but i'm already finding it hard going back to the office, is actually the discipline we had at home in terms of being very structured and you can control your day quite easily. I find now being back in the office, you just run into people and suddenly Mm. you're five minutes or ten minutes behind your meeting and you, you know, suddenly you have ten emails behind or a hundred emails behind and suddenly you got to catch up during the evening again. So it's kind of, what did I learn last year in terms of organizing my day that I need to kind of think through really, really consciously now that I go back to the office and also for my team so I don't uh, get too distracted and just literally just walk around and be unproductive during the day and have to be productive during the evening. It's actually a very good point. I feel like I'm exactly the same. Like I come into work to 
it's not to socialise. Um, I'm probably distracting the team, don't get me wrong, but I want to be there for them if they've got questions and engage with them. And so I often don't do any work during the day. So then I'll hit five o'clock. I'm like, okay, my day's going to start now and I'll actually start working. So that's definitely something that's different. And, and like what you were saying about emails, I feel like during ISO I sent so many unnecessary emails and should have just picked up the phone. And whereas now we're back in the office, I can just yell out and say, hey, Coco, you know, what's this? And then she can answer. Mm. So, yeah, it's very interesting. I just started listening to a podcast talking about, I can't remember, it was an interview with a guy talking about how to get rid of emails. And he was saying that people mistake emails, like the purpose uh, uh, um, for accessibility, when it's really should be focused more around clarity. So if you can be really clear in your emails, you don't need to send as many because Mm. otherwise you just have all these questions and it becomes like a chain of questions. So I think that was something that really changed my mindset. So I'm going to try and reduce my inbox. I think it's, yeah. I find it's, so for me, it's been automatic because you know, in ISO, all of us are multitasking. Mm. You're on Teams all the time, but not all the calls you were on where you're an active participant. Mm. So you do emails mm. you know, at the same time. Yes. yes. Now, if you get back into the office, sitting in the meeting room, you kind of, it's it more, you kind of, you know, laptops down, phones yes. off. Uh, so naturally kind of reduces the volume. So the challenge we just talked about, I'm back in the office five days. My team's not back in the office <laughs> all, all days. So, you know, they can still do emails when they're at home, but, you know, you, you're not. So that's why you kind of, that's just a catch-22 in terms of so actually, we can need to find a balance where everybody's doing the same thing. Yes. So you're, you need to tell everyone to come back in. <laughs> Oh, we'll stop sending goes. emails, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. So in terms of brand and strategy, that's obviously um, brand strategy, marketing is your um, your bread and butter and your topic of expertise. So we're going to focus a little bit around that <laughs> today. So uh, I think the interesting thing that I found in 2020, and I don't want to use the word pivot but a lot of people changed the way they were communicating they changed their marketing you couldn't really push out just really salesy marketing messages anymore it had to be a lot more around support and being there for your customers so do you think um or how do you feel like the anz marketing and comms really changed last year well it's funny that you know in when i joined literally the day i joined in january last year we launched our new brand campaign, which is all around uh, improving customers' financial well-being. And, you know, we had no idea that that two months later would be on everybody's mm. agenda. So, you know, in, from a pure marketing point, we were very lucky, pure luck, that, you know, we actually launched our new brand platform on the right topic. Mm. So what we did going into that you know, as the pandemic hit is kind of just leveraging that platform which was a brand platform to start with, but then leveraging it into the products. What does it actually mean for the products? And this was highly relevant in terms of, you know, the loan deferrals program that came in that you could put your home loan or your business loan. Uh, uh, you can pause it, literally. Uh, but what we wanted to do is then actually go to our customers and tell them, well, what's the implications? You know, try to educate them on, on, on financial well-being. So that's kind of one thing we did and, you know, very successfully. So it's more about services, to your point, uh, in terms of how do we service these products with you as our customers. The other thing is we took down in the first few months our tone. You know, we're known for being a bit humorous and playfully clever. We just didn't feel that tone was appropriate mm. during especially March, April, May. Mm. But then we started, actually we found out that people were tired of <laughs> being tired. So actually, actually people wanted, you know, some sort of normality back. So we kind of back into where we used to be. 
right now. So yeah, I, I, so I think yeah, we learned a lot. We we did to your point pivot, um, but we didn't have to pivot very hard uh, in terms of actually completely changing what the brand was was all about because it just gave us a platform to really talk about financial well-being. And we, we you know, you know, we have research saying you know that couples find it harder to talk about their sex life than their financial life. <laughs> And then, you know, so this just became, an, you know, and really, again, you know, now you have to talk about it, you know, like, so, yeah, so it helped us. We, yeah. didn't, we didn't say that. <laughs> How is that not your leading tagline for a campaign? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, it's actually quite interesting, I think, because I remember when we chatted, like, obviously, your background's quite different. And you're one of the smaller of the big banks. And I love that you want to have a bit of fun. And I would not necessarily have thought that that would be the case for one of the big banks. But I feel like it's such a great way to connect with people. Because I, very much like you, I remember pushing out content during um, last year. And I didn't want to um, be too serious all the time. Because like you said... People are tired of that and it's like people are feeling sad. You don't need to keep talking about how much everything sucks. So, yeah, I think sometimes it, it helps to actually remember just to laugh and, and give people a reason to smile. So it's great to hear that that's the way that you wanted to take the marketing. And I think, you know, it worked for us because we always been yes. doing it. I think it'd be harder if you try to start <laughs> doing it during that period of time. I think that'd be kind of, yeah could be problematic yeah so what's this what's some of the things that you're really excited about that's coming out that you can talk about from like a marketing brand perspective that's coming up that you've been personally working on so um we are just launching right now our new uh, business lending campaign and it's starting you know quite subtly but we're going to go quite hard now in the next coming weeks that's something i've been happy to kind of be quite integral in and it's kind of something that's worked started you know during covid and in on lockdown and then that's kind of ramped up now that everybody come out it's kind of interesting to follow it follow the whole process through and uh, through that exercise so you'll see a lot of g g great creative i think again we, we just saw sort of offline uh, earlier this week in terms of also key uh, assets going to be and it's really really it really makes me happy as, uh, to, to watch it, both from an ANZ point of view, but also I think from an audience point of view, I think they'll get a lot out of it. I think they'll enjoy it. I mean, got some good product offerings that's tied to it. So it's not just about the comms, it's actually the product that sits behind it as well that we feel very excited about. So that's obviously the big thing coming now shortly. So, um, and then we are continuously looking into our financial well-being content. We're doing a lot of tests and learns, so probably things you don't really see that much because it's not you know it's not on TV. It's not about line, but we keep on trying to find new channels, new audiences, and test out new content. And some of that we do you know ourselves. Some we do with our agency partners. Some we do also with our called the partnership we have with Facebook and Google. So try to leverage you know their assets as well. So. I think there's a lot of things going on there that we're really very proud of, but that probably isn't vis visible to the broad audience. Oh, fantastic. Well, we'll definitely have to keep an eye out for that new business lending campaign, mm -hmm. which is very exciting. Uh, I have to say that uh, I obviously spend far too long on LinkedIn. Uh, and during the pandemic, I loved the content that, that the team were putting out because I felt like it was very human. And in my head, I guess I had this perception that a big bank like ANZ would want everything to be beautifully presented, really polished, you know, probably a full film camera set up just to produce a small video. And then I remember seeing Shane's content, like the CEO Shane Elliott, and I was just thinking, 
is it, does this guy even have a tripod? Like, what's he doing? Why is the camera quality so shaky? I'm like, can someone get him a tripod? Like, but it was so real. And it was like just a photo of him at his desk and he was talking about what's on his desk. And I thought that's such a great way f- to humanise a, a big bank, which is otherwise I think a lot of people, it, it becomes an easy target because it doesn't have a face. And I really loved all the content that you're putting through talking to the people and really humanising it. So I think that's a fantastic uh, way to really connect with the, the customer and the potential customers. I think, you know, you said the word, you know, he is, he is who he is. So he is very human, you mm. know, and he is very empathetic. And he's, on top of that, he's very passionate. Mm. He's very passionate, one, about the business, but also about the customer. So, yeah, so it does become pure authenticity. So that's why I think also, to your point, it doesn't need to be polished mm. because it actually takes away from it. And mm. Uh, mm. he's comfortable uh, because that's who he is. Mm. And I love that. And mm. actually, interestingly, I was listening to a podcast. It was with, uh, it was on the... Reid Hoffman, who's the co-founder of LinkedIn, he was introducing, I hope I get her name right, I think it's Angela Arendt, oh God, I probably butchered that, but she was the former VP of sales of Apple and she was saying when she first started with the company, she wanted to just film a video to the her team on the iPhone and they said, no, 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 we don't want that, it has to be beautiful production, we need to come in, everything at Apple has to be perfect and she's like, no, I'm going to film on my iPhone. They're like, no, we're going to do it proper. And she's like, no, nah, I'm doing it. And then she filmed on her iPhone. And then during the um, – when she was filming it, her daughter called. And then I think she left it in and just said, oh, my, sorry, my daughter just called. I had to quickly let her know I was doing something for work. And she said she got so many responses from people, firstly because it was just shot on her iPhone. And secondly, she was showing that human side. It didn't have to be so beautifully produced and so perfect. And I think that that's where a lot of us fall into the trap when we're thinking about – marketing and comms like everyone thinks it has to be so perfectly produced there can't be any form of non-production in there but yet sometimes the most raw and authentic things actually connect the best yeah. Yeah, i think you saw that during last year you know mm. because with a lot of you know a lot of not just banks but other companies as well just kind of literally started to show their employees mm. in terms of who they are you know and then and actually when you f- think about it actually your most passionate people are your only own 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 employees and so yeah. why don't you know showcase them because they're the ones actually doing the job and they think about all the people we have in the contact center and it's kind of one of my dreams is i really want to showcase more mm. of our own people and be proud of the work they do because guess what they're very proud of what they do yeah that's amazing that's what i think a platform like linkedin is really good for like getting your your team active and my team are, some of them are in this room they're probably sick of me talking about linkedin but you know i always encourage them to share whatever they're thinking and you know i think as an employer or um, a manager like we have a a responsibility to try and encourage them to have a voice and use it. So if they're passionate about um, women's rights or equality or um, whatever they're passionate about, like to talk about it and use that platform. So I think that's really uh, important. So uh, moving on to uh, a segment um, we like to call Trend Watch. <laughs> I know we really are working, need to work on a woohoo, woohoo, woohoo Trend Watch um, little opener. Uh, but we, we love talking to experts such as yourself and finding out what's happening in your space and what we should be looking out for. So you're obviously quite active in in a few spaces. So, you know, from a consumer spending or fintech perspective, what kind of cool things are you seeing in the market at the moment? Well, you mentioned it, fintech. You know, it's really, really interesting to follow what they're doing. Um, I probably follow more the user experience mm. than I actually follow the product side of it because the products don't really change too, too much. Mm different features too but what we find is it's 
as we try to make people more comfortable when, when talking about finance. It's actually you know exploring and be comfortable with their own fin- finance. And we said the heartbeat of financial well-being is actually to empowering people to have a control and confidence, or they call it money matters. And actually, we found out user experience is really really important. Uh, so if it's simple, if it's easy, if it's clear, if it's intuitive, and you know not too too much words, not too educational, and definitely not too pushy. That, uh, and that drives people in to actually more engage with their, uh, with their finances. And then the more comfortable they get, you know, the more active they, they do get. And I think the, a lot of the fintechs get that. Uh, you'll see a lot in the financial industry is very heavy now in terms of investing in behavioral science. And that's new to me as well, because in FMCG, you know, we didn't do much on behavioral science. But this is all about you know, creating habits creating the right habits and actually nudging you in the right direction to actually get you being empowered. It's not about telling you, it's about empowering you. And I think that's where I, I pick up in terms of the trend watch. If I were you, skewed towards behavioral science. Oh, I love that. And then in terms of behavioral science, do you really start to look at that younger generation? Because I remember when I was actually at school, there was a, another bank and they got in really early with school programs with kids. And then I think that was actually pretty smart. I don't think they allow that anymore, but uh, <laughs> I'm not going to mention the bank's name. But, uh, you know, I think it, that next generation, and we, we just did an episode on Gen Z, and they're super switched on. Like, Gen Z are honestly going to take over the world, change the world. Like, they're so uh, much more savvy because they've got so much more access to information than I'd say, that's my excuse anyway, than when I was growing up. Like, I think back to when I was a child. I'm like, I was looking at Encyclopedia Britannica, which was very out of date quite quickly pretty much as soon as it got published whereas now they can literally absorb uh, updates from someone from the other side of the world in a completely different country and socio-economic um, background so do you feel like there's a big focus um, as a business on on I guess marketing towards that next generation yeah absolutely uh, and I think you know the the whole program we're working on is everything is like I said, but literally digital self-service. You know what COVID also did is, of course, we had to shut the branches. Mm, so mm. you know, we just really literally had to kind of leapfrog in terms of the development we were doing in terms of actually making sure that we can make you know uh, the broad set of the population digitally active. Now, of course, the younger population tend to already be. I'm actually used that generation to kind of educate their parents and their grandparents to actually become more uh, agile on that. And again, like I said, we do a lot of tests and learns in terms of financial well-being, and we kind of want to use that as our platform also in with the younger audiences. And I, we don't want it to be product-led. We want it actually to, to, to be behavior and habit-led. Mm. Uh, and again, institutionalized and call it the right, uh, we call it the financial well-being principles. And they're very simple, you know, you know, spend less than you earn, save for a rainy day, you know, things like that. Just educate or empower and, you know, get them to learn, understand the importance of these simple principles in terms of actually as a starting point. Because it gets more complex later when you're going to start to, you know, save for a home, then mm. buy a home, mm. potentially buy investment property, and then, you know, start to do thinking more about retirement as well. So the principles go through wo- all the journey. But, you know, f- in terms of the younger audiences, we're focusing on the simpler principles. And then the products get tagged in rather than the other way around. That's great. And it's almost like that content style marketing. So mm. you're not just going, here's the product. It's like, actually, this is what you should be doing. So this is the content and, and it's around the principles. And this is how we can actually help you spend less than you earn. 
just something that I need to always work on because I love shopping. Uh, okay, so actually speaking of things that um, you need to learn, we'll move on to our next segment, which is things I've learnt. Uh, so in terms of uh, working for – you work for two big companies now. So what's the biggest thing you learnt about marketing and brand strategy at, at Mondelez and what's the biggest thing you've learnt at ANZ? So I think, you know, it's – FMCG is a beautiful place to – to do brand strategy, uh, you know, because it's at the heart of the organization. Marketing, you know, is the heartbeat. So um, I think, you know, it just clears the, the core principles in terms of what's important. You know, we talk a lot about where to play and how to win. This is, you know, the fundamentals, but actually really being rigorous about it. What we did, I think, really, really well there, we were very choiceful, very choiceful in terms of our brand strategy. And I challenge everybody in, in not just the bank, but in my all my jobs is, when you b- develop a brand strategy, you know, wh- yeah, that's fine. Put that on a piece of paper. The second page is going to be, what are you not going to do? Mm. A lot of brand strategy still is too broad. Mm. And, you know, strategy by definition is about choices. So if you have a strategy uh, that's where you haven't made choices, you want to be everything for everybody, that's not a strategy. That's a dream. Uh, and I think that you learned at an FMCG because you have to be choiceful because you've got very limited resources, both in terms of money and people. And you do, you get really really pushed all the time on that. So, kind of that's one of the things I bring with me into the banks. I'm really really pushing my team in terms of being choiceful, uh, and also being a big bank, we tend to have you know more resources, so you can easily fall into the trap of ah we don't need to make too many choices because we can do a lot of things anyway. But that's it's really really good to see the narrative coming through that people actually yeah this audience is more important than this audience this product is more important than this product this channel is more important than this channel so i find that also in fmcd you know it's literally it's all about winning you know it's a very competitive environment uh i don't f- sense the same level of competitiveness uh in the banking industry among the big four we're all kind of very driven hard working uh, very passionate about what we do but it's not that kind of winning agenda that kind of drives it. It's uh, which is probably good in the sense that it's more of a we're here for the customers. That's good, and um, which is really really good. So I just kind of want that kind of added benefit of okay, well, what does good look like then if you actually are here f- for the customers and you do well with the customers? What what's the outcome of that? But that's kind of my FMCG background is I'm struggling a bit with the culture <laughs> to actually say, well, we think differently here, but that's fine. That, well, I said I'm here to learn, so I'll learn something new and, you know, I'll share some of the learnings and not all of them are applicable, but, you know, that's fine. We'll, we'll find our way and land somewhere in the middle probably. Yeah, it's actually interesting because with the big four, it's obviously going to be super relationship-based because you'll bring people on and then you hope that they'll bank with you for life. And if they have kids, they'll bank with you for life and, and so on and so forth. Whereas I almost feel like with FMCG, I don't know if there's that loyalty or... I mean, look, if you've got a very strong brand, like, say, a, a Kraft Heinz or something like that or a Cadbury, then, yes, like, I think you can really build that long-term relationship. But because the consumer item is so cheap, it's like, oh, there's a new tomato sauce. Yeah, I'll give that a try for $3. And so it's not as sticky. Whereas a bank, it's like, there's so much paperwork to, to move. So you want to really get them in and then keep... Then it's like almost, it's not easy to keep them in, but uh, yeah, it's like just making sure you can draw them in and, and keep that relationship going. Yeah, and I think, you know, we do naturally, of course, in banking, talk more about lifetime value to your point. Mm. And you can see that more easily. You know, we had, uh, when to work in Cadbury, you know, you had this, again, dream that, you know, as a, as a consumer, you know, you first have a Freddo, then you move <laughs> into Marvelous Creation, then you'll have a Cadbury Dairy Milk, and then you have all gold. You know, oh, it's like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
so you can have a lifetime value, but you know it's it's harder to build those kind of relationship because you know in banking what the benefit of course is you sit on your customers data so you have literally insights yes. so, so of course you can proactively help them and you see you know what their financial situation is at so that's also very new to me to actually be sitting at that side of the table actually i got the data yeah. i don't have to go to colson and Wallace and yeah. ask if i can get it actually i have it now the question is then what do you do with it so it becomes um, you know really really uh, in, in another yeah you know, like i said it's a learning exercise for me in terms of being able to actually work on, call it the data analytics and insights, when you actually have it, rather than actually going having it out and do surveys and mm. try to in, into people. And I think that's one of the challenges in corporates. Like I know that in my background, you can get access to so much uh, data, especially in the digital space, but then it's finding the time to actually interpret that and then finding the time to execute something based on your findings from that data. So it's just, sometimes it's almost like information overload. So you have to be just so specific about what exactly you're looking for and then exactly. what to do with it. It's back to, you know, to the brand strategy point in terms of being, you know, choiceful. And we talked a lot, a lot about it because a lot, of, a lot of people very quickly say that they got information or insights while actually what they have is data. Yes. Uh, you don't even have information because it's not structured and you sure as hell don't have insights because you haven't actually taking anything out of the information that you structured. So that's also kind of pushed back from me in terms of, yeah, we've got to be clear in terms of what we're asking. And then when we ask, we've got to be very, very choiceful in terms of how we interpret the data and actually then, yeah, make clear strategic uh, choices. Yeah, fantastic. Um, well, unfortunately, we have reached the end. We've got one more segment left, which is quick questions, but I feel like I could just keep talking for hours. So um, we're going to go out for lunch after this, so at least we can keep talking at lunchtime. Uh, so just to finish off, I'm going to ask you five quick questions, uh, and you just need to give a one word or one sentence answer. So I'm going to jump straight into it. So do you, uh, question number one, do you see the impacts of 2020 on digital transformation and growth being quick, but do, do you see that it's been necessary for the um, the digital transformation of the economy? Because I feel like it just happened so quickly and all these people were just, you know, I guess, putting things off and not wanting to do digital things, but all of a sudden they've had to do it. So do you think that's been a good thing or do you think it's been a little bit of a, a challenge because everyone's been so rushed? No, I think it's been a good thing. I think it's... A, I'm... You know, it's like ripping off the band-aid instead of <laughs> peeling it off, you know. And, yeah, it's a bit painful, but it's actually the good thing to do. So I'm encouraging my daughter to actually make sure that she chooses the right subject at, at uni now because, as I said, the, the, the world is changing very quickly and, and the job market will change uh, uh, as well. So, yeah, be, be prepared. Yeah, fantastic. Um, now, what's your biggest learning from last year that's non-business related? I think it biggest it's not business related, but I think, you know, it's... It's the fact that you can actually be uh, you can be thrown into the unknown and you actually end up standing very easily. If you had planned for it, it'd probably taking us two years to do the change, now it happened in a day. And I think that's yeah, it's kind of and I don't want to lose that. Uh, that's my fear. Is that as we get back to the office, we'll actually revert to old ways of doing it and we find a way to actually be you know, 100% agile. Oh, I love that. That's actually a fantastic one. Like, you're so right because if we said, okay, we're going to do these things that we're going to do in uh, that we thought would take six months in one day, I think everyone would have just freaked out. But 
COVID just forced us to do that. Like complete, pretty much like go from everyone working to the office to all of a sudden everyone working from home and then end up being for eight months. So I think you're, you're right. I think as humans, we're so much more adaptable and resilient than we otherwise realise. I think people just don't want to put themselves out of their comfort zone, unfortunately. So that's a fantastic one. Love that one. Um, if you could have invented anything in the market or anything in the world, what would it have been? Oh, this is to all my old um, chocolate uh, <laughs> fans out there. I tried for probably <laughs> 20 years to get uh, Mondelez to develop uh, dog chocolate. Oh, that would be perfect. Oh, it? Oh. That would be perfect. So uh, I said, you know, my, my silly analogy was that, you know, it's, it's a market that doesn't go very fast. So we need another target audience. I said, well, if you can get dogs to eat chocolate, you know, they eat a lot of stuff. So <laughs> now... Chocolate is not good for dogs, so you would have to do something very different to the chocolate. But anyway, so this, I always try to kind of uh, be disruptive in terms of my thinking. Yeah, I love Just that. Just kind of get something to do. And we're both dog owners, so yeah, I know my dog, she's sleeping right next to me now she would love that i always feel bad when i'm eating chocolate next to her um if you could have any superpower what would it be <laughs> superpower uh, i was gonna say kindness uh, oh uh, that's a beautiful one yeah i love that there's not enough of that in the world unfortunately great answer uh, and this is the final question. So if you could give your 20-year-old self one piece of financial advice, what would it be? should have gotten married to my wife earlier because she's the one who does all the personal finance stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fantastic one. I, I uh, definitely take that on board because I'm not good with finances either. So my partner does all of the financial stuff. So uh, great answer. And I'm sure your wife will be very happy to hear that as well. <laughs> um, well, thank you so much for today. It's been an absolute pleasure. I'm so glad we've actually been able to do this face-to-face -face and not over Zoom. So uh, yeah, thanks again. And really excited to see what you do with ANZ. I have no doubt that you've got some crazy cool ideas coming up in the marketing space. So we'll make sure we put the link to your LinkedIn so people can give you a follow and the link to the ANZ socials as well. Um, but thanks so much for coming in today and um, let's go and get some pasta. Let's go and get some lunch. Fabulous. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thank you.